One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, welcome to a brand new episode of Writer's Routine. This week we're chatting to Jessica Payne. Her debut novel is a twisting psychological thriller. It's called Make Me Disappear. We talk about why she was so determined to get a book properly published. Not just self-published, not sat in the drawer, but actually on the shelves. Uh, Also, you can hear how she has claimed back her writing time. And we talk about how writing for her, it's all about perseverance. But I went in knowing that it was going to be hard and that I had to be in it for the long haul. And... I'm fine. Like, I, I run marathons, I've done an Ironman, like, I will stick it out for the long haul and, um, you know, just make, I just felt like if I keep trying, it's going to happen. And it was really hard. I mean, I'm not, I, I make it sound like it was easy. It wasn't easy. Like, every rejection is hard. Every time you get an email and you know it's going to be a rejection from the gym, that is so hard. But it's also normal. There is more on the way with Jessica Payne in this week's Writer's Routine. Yes. Welcome along to the show. It's Writer's Routine. Thank you for being there. Thank you for coming back, for following, for downloading, for streaming. However you found us, uh, I really appreciate you being there. This is the show where we take a look inside the working day of some of the world's most successful authors. Uh, All manner of authors, Uh, very prolific ones who are on their 70th book that have sold billions of copies, Uh, some writers who kind of do it now and then, and we have debut writers, like the one we're chatting to today. My name is Dan Simpson, I'm very excited for you to hear this week's chat. Uh, Jessica Payne really gets it, and she's interested in the process of writing. Uh, She listens to this show for a start, which always helps. Also, she studies writing books and manuals. She's the host of Mum's Writer Club on Twitter, on YouTube, uh, which tries to help every part of a writer getting their stuff out there. Her new novel is Make Me Disappear. It's all about a woman who is so desperate to escape her sociopathic boyfriend that she goes to an incredibly extreme length to get away. Now, we talk about writing during lockdowns, 
her husband was working uh, like barbaric 90 hour shifts or something ridiculous and while that was going on she was managing a house she was raising a toddler and she was finding time to write a lot also you can hear why she uses multiple writing softwares at the same time now her fourth book got her an agent so we talk about what changed for her she thinks between book three and four why she was so determined to carry on there's all that and and a lot more this week jessica it is a brilliant interview it's a fantastic conversation i think you'll get a lot out of it uh, and we kick things off as we always do with what jessica payne sees around her in the place where she sits down to write we just moved back to Washington State a short time ago. So it was my first opportunity to set up my very own office. And having a young child at home, that was just fantastic. Um, So I have, let's see, I have a beautiful window with a view outside to Washington State. I have my cat, who is always on my writing desk. Uh, She's all curled up in a ball right now. Um, let's see. I have a stack of my favorite books on writing. I find them quite inspirational. And when I'm drafting, I like to be able to glance at some of my highlighted tidbits from there. And then I have some really good smelling candles. And when I just need to relax, I like to light those and just kind of ease into the moment. Um, I've got some art on my walls. I have a big cork board where I'm not much of a plotter, but I, I try to be because writing thriller, it, it seems to help. Um, so I've got that cork board and um, I try to get all of my plot beats out on that. Um, and then I've got my little, I, I also do a YouTube channel, so I've got my little setup for that. I've got a few questions on this. Now, you're in Washington <laughs> State. I'm, I'm over here in the UK. Washington State isn't a place where people who aren't from the States really hear that much about. All the noise is taken up by LA and New York and Texas to a degree. So just like, and it's not really anything about writing. I'm just curious. What what can you see out of your window? Like d- d- describe how the state looks from your vantage point to us. I would love to. So I sadly do not have a view of Mount Rainier, the big mountain, but um, I do have a view of these beautiful mosques covered trees and then behind them are tall full pine trees and i'm we're we're recording in the morning for me anyway and i can see a little tail end of the sunrise um a bit of like yellow and pink and it's it's just gorgeous i'm eternally jealous we are (laughs) right here we're coming out of uh shockingly hot week uh, week for March. Yeah, it's been sweltering for uh, like a British winter, really what it still is. Uh, but still, I'm, I'm very jealous of tall trees and kind of frosty, foggy mornings and a lot of rain. And also the cork board that you described there, you said that you tried to put out your plot points, but uh, it's quite tough sometimes. If you were just to look at one of those beat points that you've laid out, what kind of things do they say? How thorough is it? Well, so when I start thinking about a book, I really think about the premise and the character. And as I start drafting, I get all of these ideas for scenes, but I never know like if they're actually going to be in the book or, um, or where they will go in the book. So I write them down on a piece of paper and I tack them up where I think they might go. So for example, I always try to have a midpoint turn in my thrillers 
And I have, I, I can't tell you what it is. I'm so sorry, but I have a midpoint turn tacked up. Um, and it's like the big, the one of the first big twists in one of my upcoming thrillers. And it's like, it makes me rub my hands together in a very um, evil way because <laughs> I'm so excited for it. The stack of books you've got as well, your favorite books on writing. Run us through a few titles. Sure. So I am a huge fan of Story Genius. It is by Lisa Crone, and it was a game changer for me. I had written a couple books that they were okay, but looking back now, I can see they didn't have much of a plot. And her book really helped me better understand I mean, I knew that character was important, but understanding your character better and their background and how that relates to every action they take and how the scenes, you know, scene A must lead to B, lead to C. And that really helped me understand that. I'm also a big fan of uh, Save the Cat Writes a Novel. I love just having, there's a beat sheet on page 27 of the paperback and I just have it... um, permanently folded over so I can just keep an eye on the beats. I'm not perfect at them, but they kind of help me remember as I'm drafting because I do tend to draft in order kind of what needs to be happening. And then I also have Consider This by Chuck. I'm going to say his name wrong. Chuck Palahniuk. (laughs) The guy who wrote Fight Club. Yes, it is such a fantastic book on writing. I actually listened to the audiobook version first and found myself wanting to be able to highlight. So I got the hard copy, but um, so much wisdom in it. It's fantastic. Just throwing things out of order a little bit because you've brought up that the first book that you mentioned. So uh, you had written four books before getting an agent. Is that right? Yeah, it was my fourth book that got me my agent. So what changed between the third and the fourth that finally got you that agent how much were you thinking about well these three haven't worked what can I do better well the first two were in a different genre they were in a genre that at the time was not selling very well and I was aware of that and I also kind of recognized that I was no longer I just wasn't as in that genre as much I wasn't reading as much of it so I think it's something that's really important for writers is to kind of be up on their genre and know the current trends and be reading the current books in that genre. And I just realized I really love writing suspense and well, reading suspense and thriller and decided after my first two books to try to write in that genre. So my third book was my first attempt at that. And it was not bad. I I think I could do something with that book someday. But between my third and fourth book, I read Story Genius, um, and that helped a lot. But also just, um, it was the first time I felt like I had a really good hook. And now that's the way I think about my books. I actually just listened to your episode with, um, oh shoot, her book just came out, A Flicker in the Dark. What is that author's name? Uh, (laughs) I know. Hang on, hang on. Uh, was that St- yeah Stacy Willingham? That was Stacy. Yes. Sorry, I you know I speak to so many no, authors. No, I understand, <laughs> and I mean I have her book on my shelf, and I just couldn't spot it as I looked over. But she said something about like having a big idea, and it's kind of like that. I really need that good hook where you can describe that book in a sentence or two. And I felt like with book four, it was the first time that I could do that, and that. Uh, Oh, the other thing I did is I wrote in dual point of view for the first time ever. And it felt like such a big risk because I had no idea what I was doing going into it. But you kind of learn as you go. And the it, it's the female main character's point of view and then her um, 
antagonistic boyfriend and he's very dark and twisted. And it was so much fun diving into that character. And my agent actually told me one time that she knew she was going to offer on the book when she got to his point of view. And it was just so like deliciously bad that she was like, yes. (laughs) So those were kind of the big things. (laughs) It must be amazing uh, to kind of be where you are now to, to, struggle to get published for so long and now to have this one coming out and and thinking well I did this and that really helped me it's led me to this stage and you know you're kind of just starting on your journey now with this genre so you must be thinking well look at how much more I can go uh, do look where I can go look at how much better I can get how much does that uh, pervade your thoughts I think that Every author at every stage has room to grow. I think we are always, you know, reading a book where we are like, wow, that author did that really well, or discovering new ideas or thinking of new plot lines. I definitely think that, um, you know, I, I have a lot more to explore and a lot more to learn. And honestly, I think that is one of the things I love about writing. It is, you know, we all have our thing in life that just utterly fascinates us and like grabs our attention 110%. And for me, it's writing. I can nerd on, nerd out on it forever. And, um, you know, figuring out how to write dual point of view or multiple timeline, it just like, it does it for me. And I'm so excited to move forward and explore all of it. Now, just lastly, on your writing space, you mentioned the desk and your YouTube setup. In in the writing side of it, how, how does it look? What have you got around you? And then moving on to the, your, your software, like what computer do you write with and the software and then the font and, and let, let's cover all of that. Okay. Well, first of all, my desk is a mess. I try really... Okay. It's not a mess, but it's quite cluttered. I try to clean it between every book. I'm like, no, I'm just going to leave it a mess because it's kind of like it's a mess, but I know where everything is. Um, but getting into all of that, I have, my husband is a bit of a computer person and he is obsessed with these giant mouse pads and I don't actually use it as a mouse pad, but it like covers half of my giant desk and it is an image of like trees and the forest and the mountains and like, uh, cherry blossoms. And that's kind of what's on the desk. And then I have an ergonomic keyboard, (laughs) I write with a MacBook Air, but I I really like having a big monitor where I can pull up. I use Scrivener and Word depending on uh, what stage I'm at. So I like to have like Scrivener and Word side by side as I'm going from one draft to another. And that works really well for me. As far as my setup for for YouTube, I have two bright lights. They're not on right now because they're kind of blinding. Um, but they work really well. And then I've got a special microphone and that whole setup. But um, yeah, and then otherwise, I just have a stack of my daughter's drawings and a notebook where I take notes on just about everything. And yeah, that's about it, I guess. It's interesting because you can do everything you need in either Scrivener or Word. Why are you needing both? So I prefer to write in Scrivener because I write the book I am starting to draft is multiple timeline and dual point of view. And anyone who has looked in Scrivener knows that you can divide the chapters as though they're separate files and easily move them up and down. And I love having that ability to do it, to do that without having to like cut and paste a whole chapter, like highlight it, cut it, paste it. 
Whereas most of the publishing side happens in Word. So when I am sending something to my agent or getting revisions back from my editor, that is all done in Word. When I'm doing, um, like I just finished with proofreads from the proofreader and that's all in Word, but I much prefer to draft in Scrivener. It's just much easier to navigate back and forth. I love learning everything I can about any particular topic I am interested in. So when I decided to start taking writing seriously instead of just as a hobby, I started learning about what it would take to be published. And one of the resources I had for that was Alexa Dunn's YouTube channel. And then there were also blogs I read and probably some other YouTube channels and many podcasts. And one of the biggest things they would say to new writers is that it's going to take time. It probably won't happen on your first book or your second book. You just have to keep going. So I went into it knowing that. Now that doesn't mean I didn't secretly hope someone would love my first book and I would be the, you know, the magical unicorn that happened to get published, you know, on my first book and get an agent and all that because that does happen occasionally. But I went in knowing that it was going to be hard and that I had to be in it for the long haul. And I'm fine. Like I I run marathons, I've done an Ironman, like I will stick it out for the long haul and, um, you know, just make, I just felt like if I keep trying, it's going to happen. And it was really hard. I mean, I'm not, I, I make it sound like it was easy. It wasn't easy. Like every rejection is hard. Every time you get an email and you know, it's going to be a rejection from an agent that is so hard, but it's also normal. One of the best things that I did, I read this article called it's some, I'm going to, it's not going to be the exact title, something like this. If you Google it, you'll find it. Why you should aim for 100 rejections a year. And the idea is that you're putting yourself out there. You know, you can't get a yes if you aren't, you know, putting yourself at risk for getting a no. And if you are never getting told no, you probably aren't putting yourself out there enough. So I really tried to flip it around and see it that way. And it wasn't always easy. There were definitely times there were tears, but I am someone who I, I just decided it was going to happen and I was going to keep trying until it happened. And I just kind of had to go into it <laughs> with that blind faith it would happen someday. So why, why are you so determined? Why were you, why were you so determined to make it happen? Uh, why was this something that you felt you, you had to do? You, you, I mean, you had written three books. Why were you determined to get one on the shelves? That's a really good question. I think some of it's my personality. I think I'm a bit stubborn when I decide I'm going to do something. I typically try really hard to make it happen. It doesn't mean I always succeed, but I, I try really hard. And then I also think it's just something I've always wanted. There aren't, so I'm also like a nurse and I have my degree as a nurse practitioner. And those were things I really enjoyed doing, but they weren't like, my end all be all. And I remember in my 20s thinking that like, you know, lots of people want to be writers. How many of them actually ever are? Like I, I need something where I can pay the bills. And, and that is good advice. Like, don't get me wrong. Like you need to be able to support yourself. But it wasn't my dream. Like I just, I couldn't let go of it. I couldn't imagine a life where I wasn't at least trying to do this thing that meant so much to me. 
I remember as a little girl and then as a teenager and then in my 20s, like walking in a bookstore and being like, so many people have gotten their books published. And I know I'm like an okay writer. Like surely if I work hard enough for long enough, I can make it happen. And then I would say my last bit of inspiration was my mom. I remember seeing her write at the kitchen table when I was a little girl. And I don't think she ever tried to get published or anything like that. But um, it was just something that we shared. She passed away when I was a child. And I know that she would have been so proud of me. And I feel more connected to her in a way when I'm writing. And I know she would just be so excited that my book is publishing. So sorry, that was kind of a long answer, but all of the above. No, that's perfect. Uh, well, the show is writer's routine there, Jessica. So so run us through yours then, and particularly with this book, Make Me Disappear. In your email to me, you said that you wrote the book uh, when you were working, you had a toddler, your husband was working something like 80 hours a week, something crazy like that. So just run us through how it got down, your, your writing routine in the day of a life m- m- putting together Make Me Disappear. Yeah. So... Um... I have a young daughter. She was 18 months to two years old when I was writing this book. And we had just moved to Texas for my husband to go to physician assistant school, which is the didactic part of that, of that program is about 80 hours a week. He was very busy. Uh, About four days after we moved to Texas, COVID hit, the city shut down. There was no childcare. Um, And I had just graduated with my degree as a nurse practitioner, but we were only going to be in Texas about a year plus COVID. And I made the decision I was going to stay at home with my daughter and really focus on my writing and, you know, try to kind of just keep our family as safe as possible from COVID. So I started getting up really early in the morning to write. Um, And I still do. I get up at 4.30 and I try to be at my desk by 4.45 or 5. I write until my daughter wakes up. That's also when I try to kind of return a few emails, that kind of stuff. My publisher's in London, so they are, depending on the time difference, seven to eight hours ahead of me. So I usually wake up to some emails of the publishing variety, and I just write and I revise. My daughter gets up around 7 a.m. We go about our day, and then I write again during her nap, which is, if I'm lucky, about two hours, but she's... She's going to be four this summer, so I'm not sure how much longer that's going to last. But she will have preschool soon, so hopefully I'll, I'll get some writing time then. But it's just it's just been spending every spare moment writing. Make Me Disappear was this book that just flowed. And I it's that like perfect writing experience in a way. It just, I, I knew who my characters were. I knew who Noelle, the main female character, was. I knew what she wanted. I knew who the antagonist was. And it was just like a dream to write up. And not every book is like that. The one I wrote after that has not been like that. But um, yeah, it was just, it was great. And in some ways, I think it helped to kind of be in this sheltered time where you couldn't go out and do all of the things you would normally be doing. A lot of writers say how detaching yourself from a story is, is very handy. Being able to set aside work time and play time. Whereas if you're grasping little snatches, little pockets of time when your daughter is asleep must mean you, you, you could never switch off, really. Well, I can see what you're saying. 
for me, it's just meant that I need to be able to switch on and off quickly and be really focused when I sit down to write. It's not always easy, though. There were definitely times where I was just, you know, I felt so tired that it was hard to get into it. You know, this book, Make Me Disappear, it was easy because those characters were so close to my heart. Now, um, the one I'm working on right now, it's still a great book. I still love it. It is a little bit harder to kind of deep dive into those characters, especially if I've, you know, just put out, put up, put um, like a toddler, toddler tantrum, you know, eased my daughter to into her nap time with that. Sorry. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I mean, it can be, I, I, you know, one thing I would say, so I also run this group called Moms Writers Club and there definitely is a lot uh, of people out there who will say, oh, well, you really need to be able to sit down and write for four or eight hours at a time. And the reality is a lot of people can't do that. And I feel like we don't hear from them as much. There are a ton of mom writers out there who only have 30 minutes here, an hour there. And I've seen them create beautiful books that have been published. So I think you learn to work with what you've got. What are you doing to make sure you're in the perfect place to work when you can? So say your your daughter drops off, drops off, drops off for 45 minutes or so. What are you doing to mean that you can literally just sit down and pick up where you left off to keep things fresh? Have you got a very thorough plan that lets you know, right, today I am doing uh, 1,000 words, two pages. I'm going to get from here to here. I have a few things I do. Um, I actually leave myself notes. So I'll be like, this is what just happened. This is what needs to happen next. And I'll just leave myself a quick note. And it is amazing how much that helps. I started doing that a couple of years ago, and it makes a big difference. The other thing I do is I just protect my time really well. I, my daughter now has a, a light that turns green when she's allowed to leave her room. So though she might wake up, she needs to stay in her room and play quietly. And then, for example, on the weekends, sometimes my husband will say something like, hey, can you help me do this, that, or the other thing? And I will say, absolutely, but not during my writing time. I've had to kind of claim that time as my own. And I think that can be really hard to do, especially when you are a mom and a wife and, you know, you have a hundred things that you have to do, uh, but protecting your writing time can make a huge difference. And it teaches the other people in your life to respect your writing time. And in a way that helps them support you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Let me talk to you about those early starts. So you're waking up at 4.30 or something to get writing for 4.45. I imagine it's slightly easier now. When you were first forced into making that decision to write then, how was your energy? How was your output? Did you manage to get anything done? Well, I've always been a bit of a morning person, so it might have been easier for me than it might be for some. And I had just come off of my daughter, you know, waking me up repeatedly throughout the night as young children do. Um, but it, it is hard. And if anybody's thinking about doing it, I say commit to doing it for two or three weeks, like force yourself to get up when your alarm goes off, because it does get easier after a couple of weeks. The other thing I would say is coffee, 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 coffee. <laughs> what time do you get? Do you, what, do you go to bed? Uh, usually I'm in bed by around 8pm, but I read until nine or so. That's my my relax, read, get myself sleepy time. And um, that works okay. Now, I know this is is your thing, but 
you have a family. How how does your husband find all of this? And I'm, I'm loath to ask this question, but but I'm I'm just I'm I'm you know it comes. I'm asking it completely unweighted with any opinion. I'm just curious as to how he finds you. Uh, you know, going to bed at eight or so, and then. Uh, having to carve out and protect, as you said quite rightly, your own writing time because you're so busy with your daughter that you need to carve out time when it could be the two of you writing. How does he find that? Well, (laughs) I'm going to start at the beginning because it makes me laugh to think about it. I started taking writing seriously in 2018 and I started it with NaNoWriMo and my husband was out of town for work at the time. And I remember just sending him a text, I'm writing a book. And he was just like, okay. (laughs) And he got home a few weeks later and I was like, I wrote a book. Okay, maybe it's more like a month. Like I'd gotten to like about 50,000 words and he was just not sure what to think because he knew that I had always written, but not seriously. And I think he didn't realize until I was far into my second book that like, oh no, I am doing this. And he's been really supportive for the most part. Like we've definitely had to figure things out uh, with certain things like protecting my writing time. And it has taken many conversations, but for the most part, he's been really supportive. He, he likes that I'm able to be at home with our daughter. That's been a really good thing for our family, especially as busy as he is with his work. Um, and then it, it does take reminders. Like even now, occasionally I'll have to say yes we can do that but this is my writing time as far as the going to bed at eight o'clock that sort of thing he actually goes to bed pretty early too because he's he works in the hospital and he has very early mornings so as far as that goes it's worked out pretty well and it's really been a way for us to support each other you know when we met I was working full-time as a nurse and he he had a job. Um, he's he's in the military, but he had like a very different job in the military. And we both had very different lives. And he decided he wanted to sc- go to school to be a physician's assistant, which required, you know, a lot of sacrifice from both of us. But it was a lot for him to work 80 hours a week. And I felt like I could support him in that. And, you know, on the other side of it, he's supporting me with my writing. And it's been kind of a cool way for us to grow. We didn't meet until we were in our 30s. Like, who would have thought that we both would have completely switched careers? You know, we're now in our late 30s. Like, who would have thought? (laughs) So it's been really cool. It's actually been a really wonderful thing for our family. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We're back with more from Jessica in just a sec. If you're enjoying the show, a very quick reminder that you can always help us carry on. You can always help us keep bringing you these chats with the best authors around as often as we can. It's so easy to help us. Uh, just pledge and support the show at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. You can sign up for as long as you want. Just a few dollars a month helps us carry on. And for that, you get my eternal thanks, uh, as always. Uh, you get merch. There is even bonus content. And there is also a way for your book to sponsor the show. So if you've published something recently uh, and, and you think, or well, maybe maybe you've self-published, if you and you've put a lot of time, a lot of hard hours at the keyboard into your work and you think it really hasn't got the fanfare that it deserves, uh, please, let me give it the plug for you. Uh, we have a community of thousands here every week who are dedicated and obsessed with stories and the craft of writing. I promise they want to hear about your work. You can sponsor the show by signing up to support us by becoming a backer and helping us out at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. Let's get back to it then with Jessica Payne chatting about her debut psychological thriller. It's a twisting one. It's called Make Me Disappear. Uh, All about a woman so desperate to escape her boyfriend that she's willing to go to the most extreme lengths to get that done. In this part, you can hear how her family dealt with her strange, very intense hours when she was writing. Also, how she got to know her characters uh, and how she did her research before really starting to write. So for me, if I am having quote unquote writer's block, I find that typically it's because something has gone wrong in my book and I need to back up and reread and figure out where things started to go awry. And usually nine times out of 10, if I do that, I can see where it was. And I, you know, have to take the plot a different direction. Occasionally, if that does not work, um, I have some great critique partners. Sometimes taking a day off is really helpful because I am pretty busy with writing. Sometimes I feel like that creative energy just needs to refresh. The other thing I love to do is to go for a run. I do so much plotting and thinking about my book when I am on a run. I actually always have my phone with me and I use um, Siri. I say, hey, Siri. And then I, uh, you know, record whatever my note is so that I can remember it later when I'm sitting down at my desk. Let's talk about the book then. It's Make Me Disappear. Um, Jessica, tell us about the first moment that it came into your brain. How did this idea present itself? Oh, gosh. So... Make Me Disappear is a story about a woman on the edge who will do anything to escape her sociopathic narcissistic boyfriend, including arranging her own kidnapping. So this whole book started with the idea of why would a woman, how would a woman have herself kidnapped? 
And I kind of had this character in mind. So I Googled, how do you have yourself kidnapped? And um, it's pretty interesting. There is something called extreme kidnapping, and it's kind of like an extreme sport that you can you can pay someone to kidnap you, like just for funsies. So, <laughs> so I decided to incorporate that into my book. Uh, and that was that first inspiration. Like, okay, she's going to arrange for her own kidnapping. Now, who is she and why? But just like even before that, what makes you think this woman's going to get kidnapped and she's going to willingly do it? Where does that inspiration come from? Well, I knew I wanted to write a thriller. So there are d definitely kind of certain topics that fall within the thriller genre. But to be more specific, in my 20s, I had a bad relationship and it wasn't so bad that I felt the need to have myself kidnapped. But this was kind of a way to fuel some of those emotions, not fuel, but um, direct some of those emotions into my writing and the feeling of being trapped and the feeling of needing to get away, but feeling like maybe you cannot. And it is a very serious topic and I'm not making light of it in any way, but I think one of the interesting things about thrillers, while they are meant for entertainment, I think they also get at a lot of the truths of being a human being. And I think there is a strong desire to love and be loved. And I think it is very easy for people to kind of get caught up in these relationships without realizing it. So my main character, Noelle, is someone who got pulled into one of those relationships and you almost don't realize it at first. And I think that that is often how it goes. So um, this book was very close to my heart because of that. So you get the idea and then you do the Googling of extreme kidnapping and you think, right, this is what's going to happen. What happens next? How much do you research? What do you research? What do you note down before you write that first sentence? How much of the book do you know? I don't know any of it for the most part. <laughs> I actually started writing the book knowing that she was going to have her kid herself kidnapped. Um, and that was about it. I just started writing the first chapter. I, I had a feeling for who she was and that she was going on this date with this man and that she didn't really have a choice, but that she was still strong on the inside, that she still was resisting him. And I knew that the chapter was going to end with her plotting to get away from him, but that things were not going to go as planned. And then I started to write the second chapter and I was like, oh my gosh, this one is going to be from his perspective because they're, you know, domestic abuse again, not, I'm not in any way trying to make light of it, but I think it's really interesting to see two sides of the story. And that is not defending him. And anybody who reads the book will be able to, to see that, that, you know, what he is doing is not okay, but it was just a really interesting um, way to look at it. He is a character who is kind of like, like if you like Joe Goldberg from you or Dexter, he is one of those characters who you hate and yet you can't stop turning the pages. You kind of love to hate him. So much of your story is driven by these characters I'm wondering how you got into the both of their minds. They often say the first book is the autobiographical one, whereas this is your fourth one. I know that you have you had some experience, as you mentioned, in your twenties with a, a, a you know a similar type of relationship. 
um, if you're spending so much time with these characters, for both the girl and the boy, how are you getting to know her? And also on the male side of things, if you're writing him and you want him to be this sinister uh, villain, I guess, of the piece, how are you making sure that's not cliched? Because I would imagine it, it would be quite easy to go down the standard tropes of how men are presented in these types of stories. It is definitely a careful tightrope to walk. Uh, so. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. As far as getting into their heads, I really wanted Noelle to be a character that many women could relate to. I think in our 20s, a lot of us are just trying to figure out who we are and what we're doing with our life. And we you know, have some things that are important to us and we think we know what we want to do next, but you're still getting to know yourself and to trust yourself. As far as the male character... It, it took a lot of revision and it took a lot of feedback from my critique partners. That said, he is a very specific voice. I also uh, did some research on people who would be considered sociopaths and worked some of that in. I also worked in healthcare for a while. For the most part, the people you encounter in healthcare are amazing. They are heroes. They are saving lives. But I have also met some not so kind people who you feel like you are in a position of power and you are taking advantage of that. And not so much with patients, but with other staff members. And Daniel's character, the the male antagonist, is partially based off of some people I worked with in my time working in a hospital who definitely, they liked being in a position of power. Let's talk about the actual writing, the words on the page. You said that this flowed quite well. How... Much did you? How much thought did you give to the next word that you were writing? Did it need to be the perfect one? Were you fine to clear that up in the edit? I write very much in a way that it it almost sounds musical in my head. It has a certain flow and cadence, and it just it just comes out, and I write it down. I do make changes in revision. Uh, to make it flow a little bit better. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, it just it just flowed really well. Really that simple? <laughs> With this book, yes. <laughs> um, well, listen, that's, that's your debut. And it took you a few books to get there. What have you learned from writing that that's affecting your 
second. And I know that you do the Mums Writers Club and you do the, the it on the Twitter and you do it on YouTube. So what have you learned about writing that first book that is, influ- that is influencing the way you're writing future novels? I would say that I'm no longer afraid to take risks. I mean, they're still a little bit scary, but if if I want to figure out how to write multiple point of view or a multiple timeline or a different uh, tense, like Daniel's perspective is in second person, then I just go for it. And maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe I have to change it. Maybe I have to revise it. But most of the time it does work out. And most of the time I am becoming a better writer and I am writing something that people are very receptive to. So it's, I would say, I mean, the number one thing I've learned is to just take a risk. The other thing would be to find your writing community. I have the best critique partners and they have helped me improve my writing and reach further into the writing and reading community. And they're just so supportive every step of the way. I couldn't have done it without them. And that is it for this week's episode of Writer's Routine. Thank you so much to Jessica Payne for coming on the show. Uh, Her new book is called Make Me Disappear and it is out right now. Next week on the show, we're chatting to Mark Ellis, who uh, was a lawyer and did very well in business, uh, and then has become a pretty successful crime writer as well. He he created the World War II detective Frank Merlin. Uh, You can hear all about the new book, Dead in the Water. Very excited to bring you that, simply because it was the first chat that I've done in, I don't know, like two and a half years, uh, pre-COVID, that was actually in an author's house. So I got to see their writing room. I got to see what they normally describe to us down Zoom. Uh, I, I'm like interested to see if, if that changes anything about the, the, the questions I ask. I don't know. Interested to hear what you think about that. It's Mark Ellis on the show next week. Uh, in the meantime, you can support the show patreon.com forward slash writers routine. You can get in touch using the contact page at writersroutine.com and you can give us a follow on Twitter. We are at writerspod there. And I will see you next week with Mark Ellis on the show. Until then, bye.